1: Everything you love about Mercedes, the style, the comfort, the technology, the choice, is now available in electric. The vehicles, all electric. The feeling, all Mercedes. The choice, all yours. Learn more, mbusa.com EQ. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Brian Winhorst, ESPN senior NBA writer, kind enough to join us. We have all-star weekend festivities Let me ask you about a couple of things here. The uh, Russell Westbrook situation of who wants him or does anybody want him and uh, the contract status that he would bring with him.
2: Well, clearly we have a number of players who have already executed buyouts and are already playing with their new teams. So if somebody wanted him, he'd be on a roster. Now, I would just say that it's February, whatever, it's mid-February, We have a long time between now and when uh, the deadline would be to be added to a roster. So he has time. There there could be an injury somewhere else. But, um, you know, typically in a buyout situation, you're looking for a guy to plug a role, to fill a limited role in most cases. And that's not been the M.O. that Westbrook has portrayed. I I do think he'll play in the NBA again, but it's just not that simple. So um, I don't exactly know why the Jazz haven't bought him out. I suspect it's because he doesn't want to sit out there on the market without a job. Uh, but it's really a simple negotiation. They'll reduce his salary by what he could sign for, and he moves on with his life. It's it's not it's not the, it's not the jazz choice at this point. I believe it's Russell.
1: What about Kevin Love's situation?
2: This one is a little bit more complicated, especially for a guy who's been in a place almost a decade, won a title there. Um, you don't see guys like this get bought out. Number one, guys who are still, you know, players who can contribute to a playoff team. You just don't see it. Secondly, the Cavs let him go, and this let him go wherever he wants. Like Miami is one of the teams that could could get him, Dan, and, and Miami has actually had a lot of success against Cleveland this year, and that could be a first round of, uh, series. The last thing you want if you're the Cavs is to have Kevin Love. You're paying him 30 million, by the way, this year he comes in and hits two three-pointers in game four against you. It's not a good look. So there might be some negotiation on where he goes there. But it's an interesting situation because this is a guy who has a long history with that organization, has gone through thick and thin, has been on the trade block a dozen times, and they've kept him. And now it's going to end quietly because basically the Cavs don't need him right now. They've, um, they haven't they have played him for the last 12 games, and they've looked really good during it. And so I think he went to the team and was like, is there any chance you're going to play me anytime soon? I'm like, well. No, but maybe there'll be an injury or something, and he, he wanted out. So it was a situation to monitor, but I'm still kind of surprised that after all of this, that Kevin Love is going to end his time with the Cavs. Probably a guy who deserves his number retired there, to be honest with you, in a sort of middle-of-the-night buyout during All-Star break.
1: What about the Lakers reuniting with LeBron? Could you see Kevin fit into whatever they're doing?
2: I think the Lakers are definitely kicking the tires there and looking. Uh, I don't think it's the best fit for him. I think uh, I, I certainly Miami would be a good fit because they need size and shooting. I don't know if the Cavs are going to allow that as part of the buyout. That's part of what's I think is under discussion. The team that I think is more might be more interesting is Phoenix um, because James Jones uh, was Kevin's teammate. They have a good relationship. They have an open roster spot. But I watched the Suns play last night. They played against the Clippers, and. Monty Williams played like 11 or 12 players, and after the game, said, I can't even play this many. And that's before Kevin Durant comes back. So I wonder if there's even room. I mean, there's room on the roster, but I wonder if there's room to play him. So um, he may take a little bit of time. um, But the LeBron thing is interesting. You know, it's kind of funny, Dan. LeBron played in Cleveland a few weeks. I don't know. It was over a month ago. And before the game, he was all hugs with Kevin. Uh, Kevin got married last summer, LeBron was at his wedding. There's great affinity there even though they had a you know up and down time as teammates and it was just like they were best of friends and then the game started and lebron <laughs> relentlessly attacked him on the court just 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 went for his throat on defense <laughs> yeah. and the Cavs had to pull him out of the game and that is actually kind of the reason why they just had to stop playing him because he's not shooting well enough anymore to justify him his defense and so like, I'm sure LeBron wants him but at the same time. LeBron knows what Kevin Love is at this point in his career.
1: You've covered LeBron since he was in high school, and here he is, the all-time leading scorer. It, it's rare when somebody uh, moves past all of the hype around them, and I don't know of another athlete who had more hype going into being a professional than LeBron did. How would you capsulize this of LeBron from high school to LeBron the all-time leading scorer?
2: Well, being there last week, was it last week? It feels longer ago. Being there last week, I, I'll i take two things away from that night. One, um, he brought everybody from his life into that game. Um, I know enough to never predict. Uh, I know enough to be able to say, I don't know what's going to happen in the NBA. Having said that, I would have gambled on LeBron making the 36 points that night because everybody was there. And so to see all of those people from his Really, before he was even a teenager, you know, he had the family of Frankie and Pam Walker who took him in when he was fifth grade. LeBron missed 100 days of school as a fourth grader. Fifth grade had perfect attendance, completely changed his life. The discipline, the punctuality you want to piss LeBron off, be late to something. All of that came from that family, and they were there just as important it was was to have his mother there, just as important as it was to have his family there. So, that seeing all those people there for the total circle journey from when he started to, to to then because even going back to his first game as a pro he was petrified and kind of alone it was out in sacramento it, it, it was sort of a, a weird feeling he wasn't he didn't feel great with that team that wasn't the memory the memory was more even before that the second thing is in the post-game locker room with him and his his two sons particularly uh brawny i mean i remember when brawny would come into he didn't come in a lot but he would come into locker rooms when lebron was in cleveland and he would go around to the the ice buckets where guys used to uh you know they still do you know ice their feet and he would pick the ice up and start throwing it across the room and lebron would be over there putting on his suit back when guys wore suits and he'd be tightening his tie and he'd scream over at him, Bronny, Bronny, <laughs> you know he would like you know you know scold him and now here they are uh you know he's really probably two years away from being in the NBA is having a spectacular senior season. Uh, Six months ago, I wouldn't have said I thought he was for sure going to be an NBA player. I now feel like he will be. And so that circle again, of just is a reminder of how long this journey has been is that he used to scold this kid to not play around. And now he practically could put on a uniform and fit in that locker room.
1: We're talking to Brian Windhorst of the mothership, senior NBA writer. I'm still trying to figure out this Anthony Davis situation with the Lakers because. It, it, it feels uneven, like there's something there. And go back to the night that he broke the scoring record where I think Anthony Davis was sitting down and said, hey, we were losing, and I was frustrated. And my thought is, well, you've been losing all season long, so that wasn't something new to you in that moment. So what am, what am I missing with Anthony Davis here?
2: I don't – that explanation was hard to accept in that moment. Um, I don't care if you were Owen 40 that's a celebration of 20 years of your teammate and even if you were annoyed about something even if you were annoyed at lebron you certainly wouldn't act that way so that was a very strange thing i can't explain that um i do think that you know patrick beverly came out after he was traded and then released and indicated that there was something else besides the basketball that was causing problems with the lakers my response to that was well it was also the basketball because they are, they were very poorly uh, uh you know put together team before the trades Um, but it does lead you to wonder what's going on there. I wish I could say, oh, yeah, Dan, I know exactly what it is, and it's these three things. Um, I do think that there's something amiss there, but I also think that NBA seasons are very long and very restorative. And so they've got 22, 23 games left. I know they're in 13th place. It's actually kind of laughable that we spend as much time as we (laughs) do talking about a team in 13th place. But at the same time, I also can't look at you and say it's impossible that they couldn't squeeze in. To the main playoffs i think they'll probably end up in the play-in um and so while i admit that there might be something amiss there i don't think anthony davis wants to not be a laker i my understanding is he's still 100 percent bought into that and whatever issues there are there is still time to salvage something out of this season and so i think those are two things to keep in mind as we try to figure that out
1: you know, ryan you uh, answered your own question. It's the Lakers, just like we covered the Cowboys. Like your network loves the cow. How can we get the Cowboys into every single show? How do we get the? Like, I I've been there in those rundown meetings where they go, uh, "Hey, can we can we work this into the show?" And almost ever on a daily basis there. So that's always going to be the fascination. Wherever LeBron goes, he's going to be in the in the mix, and the Cowboys are always going to be in the mix.
2: Yeah, just know that I fight the good fight in the okay. production meetings and I and I bring up, you know, hey, you know, the Timberwolves have been playing pretty good recently. <laughs> and I go, Yeah, about the yeah. Well I can't figure How's out. How's LeBron done like,
1: against the Timberwolves? Let's look at his stats right. against the Timberwolves.
2: What what I'm always amazed by is that like we do we like do Lakers coverage at, you know, seven and eight in the morning Eastern. I'm like that all their fans are still <laughs> asleep.
1: <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant now with another team. He's 34. I'm just wondering if, how is history going to treat Kevin Durant when it's all said and done?
2: Yeah, I mean, you'd actually be a really good person to say that because your perspective over the long haul, uh, your voice, you know, contributes to that. Um, I am somebody who has incredible admiration for Durant's uh, abilities and, and the way he's recovered from injuries. And I will always appreciate what Durant did at the 2020 Olympics, Rex Weir, and played in 2021. He's coming off an Achilles injury. Really probably should not have been, not have been playing. Went over to Tokyo, and I'm telling you, I don't know how many people remember those Olympics because you know it was a weird part of the schedule. The NBA season was like, had just ended, and they were doing the draft and free agency Like while they were playing. Durant saved USA's backside. He, I mean, Popovich did some moves, um, you know, Drew Holiday and Devin Booker flew over right from the finals, but they were going to lose a couple of those games. And Durant just absolutely carried the U.S. to the gold medal. Um, it is as much of an accomplishment as has happened in, in uh, U- Team USA basketball in the history of the program. I don't think he just gets the proper credit for it. And I also am a very big believer that the Warriors don't win those two, those two finals without him. The 2017 Cavs team, the, the first one that they won, they won that series 4-1. That 2017 Cavs team was loaded. They were awesome. That was when Kyrie and LeBron were at their peak playing together. The Cavs had made some additions to that team and um, got some three-point shooting. They went 12-1 and through the East playoffs. Now, I will not defend that the East was exactly that deep that year, but that team was awesome. They don't beat that team without Durant. And the concept to me that Durant so was a, you know, a, 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 a you know a riding in the back of the bus to use Charles Barkley's, with all due respect, I just don't think that's true. I think, I think Durant was sitting uh, shotgun with uh, Steph Curry, and the, he won. They won the next year. The next year, the Kyrie had been traded, and that wasn't the same. But then in 2019, the Warriors lost because Durant got hurt. You know, like I think that case is better if they go up against. You know, supreme Kawhi Leonard in 2019, and then they you know, they rolled over the Raptors 4-1. But excuse me, my good friends, <laughs> they lost Durant, and they and they fell apart. They couldn't win. So, like to me, I don't think his legacy needs an iota. But I know that he feels that pressure. And and, and frankly, people keep calling about how it's a it's a it's a tragedy, a basketball tragedy. I gotta qualify that basketball tragedy that those Nets never played together. Well, it's a tragedy that Kevin Durant lost, you know, three years of his career and chances other titles messing around with a guy who wasn't serious about it. You know, Kyrie undercut that team. And then the Harden thing, Harden bears some responsibility. Um, but he those are three prime years that he could have stayed in Golden State and won some more. And now here he is in his mid-30s, sort of thrashing around again, trying to figure out, you know, a foothold. And that's just not fair to him. That's not... He's a, he he deserves much better than that, and he made the choice to get it into that uh, marriage, that basketball marriage with Kyrie. So he has to to accept that, and that, that was a very risky decision he didn't need to make. But he doesn't deserve the way he's been treated, in my opinion.
1: And he's going to end up with what thirty five thousand points, maybe when it's all said and done. I'm, I'm guessing.
2: And he could have just stayed in Oklahoma City and probably been in a foot race with LeBron for that record. He. He's chosen to give up the opportunity to score. Although the injuries probably would have held him back.
1: What's LeBron gonna end up with? Forty. I mean yeah.
2: he, Well, he's, he's easily going over 40. Uh, he wants to play with his son. And I'm telling you, Dan, Bronny is good. Like, I'm not saying he's headed for being an all-star, but his development in the last year has been terrific. And but how do really, they facilitate
1: you know, this, Brian? That everybody knows LeBron wants to play with Bronny, so our team's going to draft Bronny to keep him from LeBron, or maybe LeBron wants to join another team.
2: Well, that's actually fascinating. I actually think it's gotten more complicated because if you if we'd have had this discussion last summer, I'd have told you, well, he's not going to get drafted, yeah, and so they'll just sign him. They'll just you know just sign him as a free agent. And it won't be a problem, and that maybe even. LeBron pulling him out of college after a year might not even be fair to him, but I'm telling you, I don't want to give away like our our talent evaluators who who do our mock drafts specifically Jonathan Gavoni. Yeah. I trust him implicitly. This guy's been doing it for 20 years. He is he has told me where he thinks Bronny is going to go in the 2024 draft, and I don't. It's not a guarantee LeBron's going to be able to get him. So I actually think his improvement has maybe made it more difficult. Wait, do you see a him first round play. grade. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, you know, I know Gavoni is going to come out with it soon, but I'm okay. just saying that, like, it's it's not going to be, from what I understand, and from what I, from what I am told by people who trust, you know, I don't trust my own eyes. I'm not a basketball talent evaluator. I would say watching him from age 15 to age 18, his physical development has been breathtaking. Of course, that's what every teenager. Um, but I will say this. This was not. This is not going to be a nepotism situation, I don't believe. I think he's going to be you – know, I'm not saying he's going to – again, I'm not saying he's going to be a top-three pick, but I think he, he's going he's to earn his way into the NBA on his own well, if he continues developing on this path.
1: Always great to uh, talk to you, Brian. Thank you for making us smarter. a smart weekend. Yeah, man. you too, buddy. That's Brian Winhorst of The Mothership, ESPN senior NBA writer. Yeah, I think we're looking at a first-round grade for Bronny. And I've watched him. And um, I wasn't impressed the first couple of years that I saw him, but I'm also bring you know I'm factoring into the equation that's LeBron's son. If you said, "Hey, watch this kid," what do you think? And I'd say, "Oh, okay, he can be a good college basketball player." If I say that's LeBron's son, I go, "Hmm, okay, yes, he." And, I mean,
3: right, you, you take into consideration that it's LeBron's son mm. and just sort of the, the natural development of a player between 16, 17, 18 years old when they're really focused on doing something like this, it makes sense that he could make a huge leap in the past year.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to get a first-round grade. So now that makes it tricky. If LeBron – and I think LeBron has adjusted his stance on this. He's like, well, if we can't play together, I'll play against him because that – might be the situation we'll take a break we're back after this thanks for listening to the dan patrick show podcast be sure to catch us live every weekday morning nine to noon eastern or six to nine pacific on fox sports radio find your local station for the dan patrick show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iheart radio app by searching fsr or stream us live on the peacock app
4: witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
3: You know what I did last summer? I went to Italy, and it was awesome. And you know what I did before that that was even more awesomer? I downloaded the Viator app, and I set up a bunch of great experiences for me and my family to enjoy. Like, we knew we were going to Rome, so I booked a day trip, a walking tour of ancient Rome. It was absolutely fantastic. We were heading up after that to Cinque Terre. I booked a boat cruise for the day, checked out all five villages. It was absolutely gorgeous. Speaking of gorgeous... for 10% off your first booking on the app, one app, over 300,000 travel experiences, you'll remember. Do
1: more with Viator. I was curious about this because you have the slam dunk contest, the three-point three point shooting contest coming up. The number of dunks and the number of made three-pointers in the last five NBA All-Star games. Have we had a game in the last five years where we've had more dunks than three-pointers? If you said yes, you would be correct. 2022, 49 dunks, 48 three-pointers. 20, uh, 2021, 38 dunks, 58 three-pointers. 2020, 51 dunks, 35 three-pointers. Uh, back to 2019, there were 62 three-pointers made in the All-Star game compared to 24, uh, 34 dunks. 24 dunks in 2018, 36 three pointers.
4: Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. This is the stat of the day.
1: Stat of the day, brought to you by the great folks at Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. We have a uh, buy one, get one 50% off sale, all t shirts on danpatrick.com. Buy any shirt, get another shirt, 50% off. Always appreciate Mike Tannenbaum joining us. He makes us smarter. ESPN, NFL front office insider, former general manager in the NFL. And uh, you can see him on Get Up, also on SportsCenter, the different shows that he contributes to and joins us now. Mike, are the Chiefs a dynasty?
5: Not yet, Dan, but boy, they're quickly going into that conversation. And what's remarkable is they had 154 games played by rookies this year, the third most of any Super Bowl champion.
1: Wow. So one more Super Bowl, Super Bowl appearance, AFC title game. Like what constitutes a dynasty in the NFL?
5: Yeah, one more title because now you're going to be sort of like into that next echelon of like the Belichick and Brady's are still a little bit of ways away, but above anybody else, you know, anybody that you think about in terms of like sort of like one and done, like the McVeigh's of the world, certainly the Kyle Shanahan's, like those other really good teams, this kind of puts you between Belichick, Brady, and the rest of the fray.
1: Explain to me from a front office perspective why Eric Bieniemy would feel the need to leave the Chiefs as the offensive coordinator to go to the commanders to be the offensive coordinator.
5: You know, Dan, that's what the marketplace is saying right now. Like, unfortunately for Coach bien he's just not getting the credit as the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, where they've had remarkable success. And we're seeing much lesser guys, taking nothing away from the Shane Steikens of the world that have been a coordinator for 10 minutes, where Eric bien helped literally identify Patrick Mahomes, helped draft him, develop him, and he can't get a head coaching job if I'm him. I'm probably doing the same thing. I'm going someplace else. So I'm cutting the umbilical cord. I love Andy Reid, but I gotta go on my own so I can get to the next step.
1: But do you think it's because Reid and you know Mahomes loom so large that he'll never get the credit he deserves or wants? Therefore, if I go to the commanders and I, you know, create something around Sam Howell and, and those young offensive weapons, now I got a better chance of being a head coach.
5: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's the case. That's what the marketplace has clearly told us, that I have to take a half a step forward to take two step, half a step back to take two steps forward. Mm. It's unfortunate, Dan. I spent time with Coach bien He is smart. He's relatable. Um, there's a reason players love playing for him, but the marketplace has basically told him, like, we think Andy Reid deserves a credit, not you. And to his credit, looks like he's going to go off on his own and, and, you know, carve his
1: own path. I heard you say this on The Mothership, and I uh, wanted to have you on so you could relay it to my audience, about what you would do. If you're running the Jets, and Aaron Rodgers is a possibility there, that you got to entice him to give me at least two years, and your thought process, if you were the GM, would be what?
5: I'll ha- reluctantly give up the first-round pick to Green Bay. I'm going to pay Aaron. He has this roughly $60 million option bonus, so I'm going to pay you $60 million a year. But Aaron, we need to know you're going to be here for two years. So fully guaranteed, 30 in year one, 90 in 2024. <laughs> and now I know you're here for two years, buddy.
1: But if I said you could have Derek Carr for less money for a longer period of time, or you could have Aaron Rodgers.
5: I'll go with Rodgers. You know, when you really look at Derek Carr, he's been a B-. Dan, like when you look at it objectively, 32 years old. He's been in one playoff game. And – Now that we have seven teams make the playoffs in each conference, I want a little bit more juice for my quarterback. Mm. Look, A-Rod didn't play well last year. We know that. Lost to Detroit, could not make the playoffs. He's an all-time great. I'm going to try to squeeze two productive years out of him.
1: Yeah, I just don't want drama, any more drama that comes with the position. Now, Aaron, are you going to play? I know you're financially incentivizing him, but I I would almost feel it because it feels like the Jets are maybe – Two years away from being a playoff team, maybe maybe next year. But in four, if I look at four years, then I think they're going to be a playoff team and and you know a force to be reckoned with. I just don't know are they are they on schedule or ahead of schedule as far as being a playoff team? In your opinion,
5: with Aaron Rodgers, I think they're a playoff team. And if you and I were running the Jets, I'd say a couple of things. One, let's go get a Rod and draft his replacement. Like we could do both those things. And I think if we had Derek Carr and we're competing with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, I just think we're going to be, at the end of the day, feel like we're coming up a little bit short. So when you think about how do we win the division, and again, we don't know what's going to happen with Tua and his health, and uh, but clearly Miami's added a lot of firepower there. I, I need to score points, and I know I could do that with Rodgers.
1: Okay, would you rather have Lamar Jackson or would you rather have Aaron Rodgers with the Jets?
5: Yeah, if I can get Rodgers for two years, absolutely. If I only get Rodgers for one, I'm going after Lamar Jackson. Dan, he's only 26 years old. Remarkably, he's already thrown for 124 touchdown passes. He's rushed for over uh, 20 more as well. And this guy has won an MVP. Every defensive coordinator you talk to in the league, job one is to stop Lamar. I know durability is a little bit of an issue, but you know what? It's an issue for Matt Stafford and Dak Prescott. We've seen 68 quarterbacks start a game this year. So to me, Lamar Jackson, because of his age, that's who I'm going after next.
1: Are you convinced Tom Brady is retired, retired?
5: You know, that's a simple question, a complicated answer. You know, if Josh, <laughs> Dan, if Josh calls him up in June and says, hey, buddy, I need 17 freaking games, you're not even allowed it. like, it's what we did with Favre. Like, Brett, I'm going to find your ass if you don't hunt and fish every Tuesday. Like, here is the farm. Here's, and I've run the same play with Tom. Like, Tom, you're not allowing the building to Wednesday. I need you for basically 50 practices, 17 games. Gronk's going to come in to be your caddy. Let's go.
1: Okay. If you're Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady for a year, Jimmy Garoppolo for four years.
5: Yeah. Well, I think Tom – You know, it's like the mathematical equation. One more good year probably equals five more years for Josh in terms of, hey, you know, can we develop Stidham? Is it another draft choice? You know, with Jimmy G, again, like, Dan, if we're running a team in the AFC, like, our calculus has to be, like, do we have the firepower? Again, it's murderer's row right now, and they're young. Mahomes, Herbert, who's beaten Mahomes, Burrow, who's been to a Super Bowl, Lamar's been an MVP, Josh Allen's been to an AFC championship game. Like, those five or six teams, like, the bar is high, and I just don't know if we want to go into a fight for 17 games with Jimmy G against that batting lineup.
1: Any hesitancy in giving Jalen Hurts the market value? No,
5: and I would say this. Here's what's really interesting, Dan, on that one. It's $50 million a year, and if I'm – look, there's scar tissue in that building with Carson Wentz. I get it. But if I'm the Eagles, I'm going to go as long as possible. Josh Allen did six. Mahomes did ten. And here's the interesting thing. He's a second-round pick, Dan. If I'm Jalen Hurts, I may say, you know what, fellas? I'm not coming in without another, you know, a new deal. And they have – that's the leverage that Jalen Hurts has. He has a lot of leverage about not showing up.
1: But you think it's going to be 50?
5: I don't see how it could be anything less. When you look at the market and where it is right now, I think 50 is the minimum. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm going first because Burrow's eligible, Lamar's eligible, (laughs) Herbert's eligible.
1: Yeah. Do you think Bur- they're going to get more? Like Burrow's going to get more than Jalen Hurts.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Chris Candy made this comment. Like, look, we're all talking about it. When you look at the macroeconomics of the NFL, Dan, and you look at the Amazon deal and now the YouTube deal that's going to kick in for Sunday ticket, caps 228 this year. Like, we're looking at 250, 275. And we're going to look back and be like, oh, you know what? Like, Joe Burrow at 52 and a half. That's not bad and the world's changing before, between it, it, before our eyes the world's changing and i am trying to get my guy signed asap and then let everybody else blow by him
1: okay so you want to be the first guy to sign therefore but but i don't know if everybody's looking at what happened in cleveland with deshaun watson and saying i want my my client to get guarantee everything's guaranteed so we start at 230 million guaranteed is is that what's happening now with the nfl
5: yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting, Dan, candidly, will somebody else blink? You know, for me, I think there's another team that would give Lamar the guarantee before it'd be the Ravens. If the Ravens were going to do that, they would have gone through all the angst and done it a year ago. So clearly they're not doing that. My question is, like, does the Atlanta Falcons, does the New York Jets say, you know what, like, we think it's 170, we're going to do 230, and... We're going to bite the bullet on the next whatever the number is, $50, 60000000 to get this thing done. I think there's a team that could do it this year because, again, when you look at the league, Dan, I have 14 teams that need a quarterback, including the entire NFC South. Yeah. And in the draft, there's maybe three guys in Will Levis, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud. So it's certainly going to be a quarterback-driven market, and someone may bite the bullet and do it.
1: I would love to see Lamar Jackson in Atlanta on the turf, and they've got some weapons there. I because I thought Atlanta was going to be on the cusp of being a playoff team. Now, granted, it's the NFC South. It felt like everybody was going to be uh, on the cusp of being in the playoffs or out of the playoffs. Uh, I'll leave you with this. The Bears are on the clock. If you're running the Bears, depending on what your grade is with Bryce Young and what you could get for Justin Fields, what do you do at the top of the draft?
5: This is easy for me. It's Bryce Young, Dan. I've scouted him. I've talked to him. I've met with him. This, he has a chance to be really, really special. He's small, and that's a concern. I would trade Justin Fields, who's a good quarterback. But we just went through talking about all these $50 million plus deals. If you can reset that clock for four years and yeah. get Bryce on a deal, go use that cap space, get a one for Justin Fields. I think you'd be much better off in three years.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you because people say, oh, you know, Justin Fields hasn't had a good offensive line, he hasn't had good weapons. I get that. But I also have to worry about. You know, is this sustainable that he can continue to run like this? He's wonderful, but uh, if I can get Bryce Young in there, reset the clock, and then maybe start to spread that wealth around, then I it feels like I got a better chance of winning in Chicago.
5: I totally agree. And you can look at Jacksonville to me. They took advantage of Trevor Lawrence's deal, and they went out and got a whole bunch of B's, you know, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, um, Br- I just feel like there's a way you could rebuild that team much quicker. You know, they added a couple guys on defense, and Brandon Scherf turned out to be a really good offensive lineman that I think really helped Trevor Lawrence. And I would do the same. Like guys like Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown are free agents. You've got to help the quarterback, Dan. And i take Bryce Young, reset that clock, spend the cap money on the lines, and go from there.
1: Always great to talk to you. Have a great weekend, Mike. Thank you.
5: Yeah, really appreciate having me, Dan. Have a good week off.
1: Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, former NFL executive. You can see him on uh, Get Up and Sports Center. He is a uh, great contributor to those shows. By the way, Saturday, the Premier League on NBC and Peacock. Newcastle hosts Liverpool. That'll be uh, coming up this weekend, NBC and Peacock. Let's see. Bob in Montana. Hi, Bob. What's on your mind today?
6: ADP. So my Traeger grill is four foot five and a hard one twenty four. <laughs> so speaking of Traeger grills, and since today is Meat Friday, some people may not realize that your grill has a name tag in it. For example, my grill says, "Hello, my name is Mister Chain Blue Lightning," because I named him after Josie Wales. Well, I'm curious if the grills on your set each have their own name. And if not, maybe DP Nation could get involved, and some swag could be awarded for the best name suggestions. Oh,
1: okay. Well, thank you, Bob. Give that. Uh, well, take that under advisement, as they like to say. We're going to name the Tra. We use the uh, Traegers against the far wall. Those are the you know, the two that are always in use. Now we have four grills out there, and now we have to make way for the new grills that Traeger put out, and that'll be coming up in uh, a month or so. And right now, so I have cameras all over the place in the the man cave. I don't even know how many cameras we have. But I do have a camera on Meat Friday that's fixed on the outdoor, you know, outside grilling area. So I can keep an eye on the grills right now if Tyler goes out and I can, you know, or somebody goes out, you know, Mario goes out occasionally and tastes what's on there. And then I yell. Remember the French kid? French kid lied to me one time. Because I said, hey, you guys don't eat until 12.15. On-air people eat, and then the 12.15. That's how we came up with the name of the podcast. I see the French kid on the monitor, and he's eating. I go out, <laughs> and I go, did you try some of this? He goes, no, no, not till 12.15. I said, do you want me to play back the oh, tape? And he goes, no. okay, maybe I had a little bit there. I said, "What? what don't you understand about 12.15? You get it after the show at 12.15. That podcast available... Right after the show, the backroom guys, they uh, tape the twelve fifteen podcast. Let's take a break. Coming up next, uh, Al Michaels will join us. We'll look back on the Hall of Fame career of Tim McCarver, passed away yesterday. Uh, also, more phone calls as well. We're back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app.
2: Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me for the world of football
5: or fighting, or even shows like HBO's Ballers. But what you don't know is for my entire
2: life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray. Depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week while we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it, give it words, Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City
7: 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You like Phil Collins,
1: sir, Marv?
5: Yeah, absolutely.
7: Okay.
1: Yeah.
5: This is Phil Collins and uh, Philip Bailey, also from Earth, Wind & Fire. Yeah. Little yeah. duet. Yeah.
1: I forgot all about that. Yeah.
5: We should we should give Phil Collins his flowers. Look, he gave us "In the Air Tonight," "Easy Lover," and "Emily and Petty. His
1: daughter oh, is a star. Yeah. Oh, yeah so I know. let's thank him for all of that. Yeah. And he can't perform anymore cuz he's got a bad back. Damn. But he was also in Genesis. He's been carrying the music community yeah, for 30
3: years. And we have the Damn Genesis right Invitational back. this weekend.
0: Thank you, Tom. You're welcome.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, that was the joke. Yeah. We were going to play all
0: Genesis songs we were supposed to play.
1: Thank you, Todd. That was the joke. Oh, oh. Genesis. <laughs> Todd, you wear me out.
0: I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Is it love? That's no, a great
1: choice. You wear me out. I'm man. sorry. That you is wear me out. About as real as you can be on this show. I, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more, but I'd rather talk to somebody I like. I totally like. understand. Al that. Michaels, the Hall of Famer, joining us on the program. Al,
6: how you feeling? Oh. Uh, Speaking of bad backs, not bad though. But I'm going to tee it up uh, in about an hour and a half with Mr. Jim Nance, who is oh. out here for, for the Genesis. Yes, sir. So, so Nance is going to play golf today, right? And I'm going to. I'm thinking about what you told me, Johnny, Johnny
1: Miller. Miller.
6: <laughs> but I'm on the range the other day, and somebody gave me six syllables, right? Not four. <laughs> so now I'm all screwed up. No, keep it simple. I'd like to, but I have like eight hundred and thirty-seven swing thoughts, <laughs> and yeah, the only one that works—the only one that works—is please God, don't let me whiff. Yeah, but have you whiffed before? No, but I uh, when I played in the AT&T back in two thousand eight, I sw- I couldn't feel my body. Five thousand people are lining the fairway, yeah. and that's all I could think about. Please God, please don't let me whiff.
1: And here you are—you've done all of these major events: Olympics, and World Series, and Super Bowl. But if I said the most nerve wracking thing that you've ever been a part of, AT T Pebble Beach Pro Am is up there because they think you're good, and you don't want to take somebody out with a you know a, a shot down the third base line.
6: Not only up there, it's on top of the pyramid, Dan. Yeah, not even there's nothing even close to the way I felt on the first tee at Pebble Beach. Not only are you thinking about <laughs> killing somebody, but just embarrassing yourself or hitting like a four-yard a, a, a dribbler. A four yard dribbler. <laughs> and then you have to take a fairway wood. I mean, I'm thinking, oh, just get me out of here. Get, Please, God. So I hit like a 140-yard ground ball down the third baseline and got the hell out of there. And all the rest you, of the day was perfect.
1: All you want to do is make sure that your first tee shot is great and the last putt you make on 18th. That's all you care about when you play in these pro-ams.
6: By the time I got to eighteen, nobody's there and nobody cares. <laughs> um, what'd you think of the Super Bowl? Hello, game, great game. You know, again, it gets—I don't want to say determined on one play. Everybody's saying, "What'd you think of the call?" I mean, we've seen that play a thousand times. It's a fifty-fifty call. The one thing that I felt was—I um, I saw some columns and uh, some other uh, uh, people talking about the fact. You know, you can't let a game end that way. To me, I think justice should be blind. I think if it's if it's pass interference on the first play of the game or the last play, of the game, it's the same thing. Yeah. So they called what they saw. I thought Bradbury was very classy, saying that um, he was hoping uh, they would let it go, but they didn't. But it was uh, it was a great game. It, it, you know, it it had a lot of hype. Uh, you had the two best teams during the regular season and t- to the postseason to that point. So uh, yeah, and that's that's why we love football games like that.
1: And players just want consistency. If you're going to call right. that in the first quarter, then they're going to call that in the fourth quarter. And I think Bradbury may have been under the impression they're going to let me, they're going to let us play because they weren't calling holding throughout the game.
6: Maybe I, I, don't, know. I don't know, but uh, yeah, but it was uh, it was a great game, very entertaining, obviously. Uh, we love having you on,
1: but uh, we also uh, wanted to have you reminisce on Tim McCarver. He replaced Howard Cosell in 1985. And your thoughts? When I mean, talk about different personalities to ex, you know exchange one another in the booth. What were you thinking when Tim McCarver came into the booth for Howard?
6: Number one, number one, I loved Tim. Loved him, Hall of Fame human being, Dan. Um, so when Tim retired from uh, the field from playing, he did some. I had done a few games with him in those years. We were mixing and matching around the clock and. Every week was somebody different. We had Don Drysdale, Earl Weaver uh, had retired for a couple of years. I had Earl, I had uh, Steve, I broke Steve Stone in, who's now had a 40 year career. Uh, and, and Tim and Jim Palmer were doing a lot of games. And Jim had then retired at that point. So he was full time with us. So <laughs> going to the 85 World Series, we were alternating postseason with NBC. So they had the playoffs. It was our our World Series. And Howard, at that point, Cosell had become uh, cantankerous, to use a word that he loved to use all the time, and bitter. And he would pretty much cast the pall over the entire crew because he didn't want to be there. And, you know, we didn't want him to be there. And then about a week before the season ended, he wrote his second book called I Never Played the Game. And in the book, he trashed everybody at ABC, including Rune Arledge, who had given him the job and had let him have free reign all of those years so when that came out uh at at abc they were talking about what what are you going to do now you're going to put this guy on the air who's angry and bitter blah 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 so i get a call from one of the abc executives during the playoffs which are on nbc at that point and he tells me uh we're replacing cosell with tim mccarver that was one of the greatest phone calls (laughs) i've ever had in my life And Tim and Jim and I wound up doing a dance in the 85 World Series, uh, 87 World Series, the 89 World Series, which was the Earthquake. And then we shared the 95 World Series with NBC with something called the uh, Cockamavy Baseball Network. Um, But Tim, you know, it's so funny. I I think of so many things with Tim, one of them, of course, would be in the Earthquake World Series in 1989. We come on the air at five o'clock. We're doing the scene set. The earth shakes at 5.04. But I had led to Tim. We're on camera. And then Tim is narrating uh, and, and dissecting a play that had taken place two nights before in game two and open. And all of a sudden, I blurred out we're having an earthquake. And Tim put a death grip on my leg. And Tim would always say that, you know, I, I grabbed his leg. I said, Tim, <laughs> I, have the, I have the scars to prove it i have been through earthquakes before you haven't but i had a all i can let me put it to you this way dan three person booths are tough you know that it's very tough uh and i've been i've had a few of them in my career uh this was one where i have to say that the three of us together palmer and mccarver and myself we were i think better as a threesome than any combination of the two of us so i loved it i treasured The memories i had with with jim and with tim because they were so into making the telecast as great as it could be they were great men and uh you know you had palmer who knows everything about pitching obviously and timmy who knew everything about everything as a catcher played for four different decades so he he saw everything and the the one thing that i was certainly convinced of uh, during those years dan if he had become a manager he'd have been a great manager and he had opportunities to do that, but he just preferred broadcasting.
1: Yeah, I wondered about that because, you know, we, we marvel at Tony Romo, or at least we have, where he's predicting something that would happen. Tim would tell you what he thought was going to happen a long time ago, that he was so ahead of every other analyst, it felt like, that he was playing the game while broadcasting the game and saw it in
6: a unique way. Very much so. Uh, he was able to do that he was also able to bring up certain things that you never had thought about and i mean i knew a lot about baseball at that point because i've been with the reds as you know you were listening to me when you know you were in your bassinet and i'm doing the cincinnati reds <laughs> and you know i've been with sparky anderson and pete rose and johnny bench i had a phd in baseball and then i, I started working with tim and he would bring things up and I thought to myself wow nobody talks about these things it's so true And he made it so interesting and he loved the game and he loved teaching the game to people i would say uh in when i think back uh, through my career i had john madden who of course taught uh millions of people to love football more than they did and to understand football i would put mccarver in that category with baseball i think timmy taught as much baseball to millions of people as john madden did football to the millions of people who love john
1: But then, do you allow a little more room for Madden and McCarver? Be your role as play-by-play voice. Does it change in accordance to who your analyst is?
6: It does, and with both of those guys. And and, and so, I'm not uh, uh, saying that uh, everybody's the same, but these guys were at the top of of at least my pyramid. The great thing about McCarver. So, in my the way I do play-by-play, and you've heard me for years. I incorporate a lot of the fundament, fundamental or rudimentary analysis inside my play-by-play. Now I've worked with some people who don't want that because I'm saying what they wanted to say, and if you know what I mean. In other words, I'll, I'll tell you know I don't have to give you the you know the uh, just the basics, but I will tell what I will do is give you a, a launching pad with McCarver. Uh, especially, And I said to Tim one day, I said, listen, am I taking up too much of your space? He says, no, 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 no. You keep doing what you're doing because you're, you're forcing me to go to a, di- a different area where I feel like I'm energized and I can bring up certain things that normally I would not bring up because I would do the, the rudimentary or fund- fundamental analysis. So he loved it. And I loved working with him because boy, you let him go and you don't know where, where he was going to go, but you would learn, you would learn and appreciate what he was talking about.
1: Yeah. I grew up with Tony Kuback when he was doing it. And I thought Tony was spectacular and I, did too. I mean, and, and very underrated as, as a, an analyst. And then when Tim came in, it's almost like, Oh my God, this is so unique. And then all of a sudden, like the audience gets tired. It feels like after a while, and they're like, Oh, he's a know-it-all. And I, I, but but in the beginning, it's like oh, this is great. He knows it all, and he's sharing it. And then it felt like right. they're going oh, here's Tim going to say I'll tell you. And it it I don't know. It just feels like maybe that's what's going on with Tony Romo. Like yeah, that's okay. Now we're, we we want to hear something else.
6: Uh, I don't know. Look, it's it's difficult, and at least with 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 Tim, he was only on once a week. to me, it's amazing that, you know, especially when he took like the Mets job and he was with the Yankees, he did the Giants for a while, he did a bunch of Cardinal games. If you're on every night, that's really tough to bring up new stuff every night. But on national television, once a week, Tim was able to do that. But believe me, I would sit there next to Tim and go, damn, you know, I've seen a couple of thousand baseball games. I never (laughs) thought about that. And, you know, and, and just, I mean, look, he was just a wonderful man. He was courteous, uh, just the way he treated people. I mean, I loved the guy. He was, he was, he was fantastic. Just loved the man.
1: He's Al Michaels, the Hall of Fame broadcaster, getting ready to go tee it up with Jim Nance. Uh, handicap wise, how many shots is Nance
6: giving you? Well, we were partners yesterday, and we went down the uh, down the tubes. We we lost, I think, forty bucks, okay. whatever it was. Okay. So today, you know, Jim and I, we, we're, we're brethren. So, um, you know, whatever our handicap, Jim's pretty good these guys. You got to tell you, you know, I played with Jim for a long time, but he's got that Johnny Miller. Yeah. My problem is, you know, I went to those XGO clubs, which are very light and they're very good, but I can't hit the ball more than you know 150 yards. So, Danny, what am I going to do today? <laughs> What do I do? I go to the zones. I go to the pinnacles. What do you want me to do? <laughs> tell, tell me something? Tell me anything. And I'm left-handed playing right-handed golf. I mean, I mean, let's, Yeah, I feel like you're my shrink right
1: now. <laughs> and and you play on. Hey, you play on a great golf course. Bel Air is a wonderful golf. No question. Yeah.
6: No question.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. And you I tell them me, that soon.
6: Uh, when, when are you coming out?
1: I don't know when I'm coming out. But I I did tell people. Riviera is so pretty, but it's it's pretty hard, too. Like, certain courses, you go, God, that looks so much fun. And then you get out there, and you're like,
6: damn, this is a difficult course. I played in the Pro-Am the other day. I teed off at 750. It was 42 <laughs> degrees, and the wind was 40 <laughs> miles an hour in the Pro-Am. I went home, and I slept for three hours. It was like <laughs> 5 o'clock. It was a lot of fun though. Played with uh, JT Poston, young pro. He's won a couple of tournaments. Good guy, really good guy. Uh well, good luck today. Well, thank you, Dan. Yeah, good luck today. Tell <laughs> I'll re- I'll re- I, you won't be there Monday, but I'll report in anyway but, uh, yeah, to, yeah.
1: Tell hello, Jim, that oh, uh, hello friends that we saw. Hello, hello. friends. Yeah. Sure. Thank For you, sure. Al. Take care, Danny. Be good, man. That's uh, Al Michaels, reminiscing about Tim McCarver, who passed away yesterday at the age of eighty one. Also lost somebody earlier in the week. In fact, over the weekend, Barry Sachs, who I'd worked with at ESPN. Uh, he was a senior producer there. You know, you talk about people who care about the, the, the bottom line, the end product, but never cared about getting credit ever, ever, ever. One of the most selfless people that I ever worked with, Barry Sachs. He passed away and uh, left quite a legacy at the mothership that people appreciated his passion, his work ethic, and that he cared. But never once did he say, hey, look at what I did. Let me tell you what I did. He always cared about the bottom line. And you don't find too many of those people. Not in our business, but
4: he was truly unique. Barry Sachs.
2: or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
7: Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game.